Hi, welcome to the Meet the Translator podcast. My name's Dot and today I'm joined by Kate Lowe for an episode about translation networks. Kate is the events team leader of the Northwest Translators Network and she's going to chat to us about what it's like to be part of a translation network slash association and what the benefits are. We'll also be hearing from a few other translators today. Thank you so much for joining me on my podcast today. Do you want to start off by giving a little introduction about yourself, telling everyone who you are, what you do, and how you came to being a translator? Yeah, hi Dot. It's great to be on your podcast. Thank you for inviting me. I hope that I can do it justice because I've been listening to lots of the other guests that you've had on and they've been brilliant. So um, yes, it's lovely to be here. So yeah, my name is Kate Lowe. I am predominantly a translator, but I also work on copy, copy editing and proofreading quality control of Spanish and French to English projects. I um, live in a leafy part of Salford. Yes, it does exist. Um, I'm a, I'd consider myself to be a bit of a northern mix. So I was born in Yorkshire, grew up in Preston, uh, went to school there, went to university in Liverpool at Liverpool John Moores. I've got Liverpudlian parents, or Scousers, um, who are very proud of being Scousers. But I've actually lived in Salford in Greater Manchester for the last 20 years now. So it's kind of my adopted home. Yeah, I'm actually I'm actually at your home today <laughs> recording this, which is nice. I didn't get to do that many podcast recordings in person. So it's a, Yay, it's a bit of a treat. <laughs> and we've got Peggy Sue with us somewhere. <laughs> yes, so I apologise now if she makes any noises, but she's uh, permanently hungry apparently as a little... That's, um, that's Kate's cat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she's already tried to say hello. <laughs> So yeah, today we're going to be talking about being part of a translation network. Since you are the Northwest Translators Network events team leader, I thought you'd be the perfect person to talk about this. Um, So should we start off with a really simple question? What is a translation network? Yeah, I would say that it's a, a help being when you're a freelancer, it's quite a solitary experience, particularly if you're new to the profession. And so being part of a network, um, it gives you the chance to be part of a community and the, for example, in the different networks that I'm in, they've got quite a lively presence on social media. They've got active forums on their website, so you can join in on those. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a chance to join different regional groups and networks. The Northwest Translators Network is the Northwest branch if you like of the Institute of Translation and Interpreting the ITI Mm -hmm. and the networks basically are a way of attending social and professional events that are local to to you if you live in the northwest for example it allows you to get to know others in um, I would say in a very relaxed and um, friendly setting Mm -hmm. so it's not the same as for example going to a conference where it's might feel a bit more formal it's a really good way to get to know fellow colleagues that live in your area for example and you know you can basically feel like you've got some sort of support there that's to me what being part of a network is Mm -hmm. so as I mentioned you're the events team leader of the NWTN what what do you do like what's your role within um 
Within that, what do you do? <laughs> uh, so, well, so it's a, that's kind of a big question because <laughs> I, I haven't always been the NWTN events lead. I've been the events lead now for the last two years mm-hmm. during what we could probably say is one of the most challenging times to try to organise events for obvious mm-hmm. reasons. I originally uh, joined the NWTN actually when I was a student back doing my master's in translation and interpreting at Salford University mm-hmm. and at that point I realised that I was wanting to have connections and contacts with local professionals who I could basically plug them for information mm-hmm. and get advice from them as to how to start out because it's one thing doing um, you know pursuing a professional qualification like a master's course Mm -hmm. and you're learning about actually how to do the job and how to do the you know the the intricacies of translation subtitling whatever it is that you decide to do with it Mm -hmm. but it's another thing when you actually come to the end of your course and you think right I've actually got to go out into the big wide world and (laughs) and use it now you know and you think how am I going to do that? How do I how do I even get started? Mm-hmm. So for me, I, I, I think the NWTN was became on my radar first, if you like, because mm-hmm. I'd sort of I'd heard about it when I was on my uni course. We had at the time I think it was Heidi Kershaw mm-hmm. was the um the committee chair and she came to give a talk to Salford University and presented, you know, the the NWTN and what it basically can offer. Mm-hmm. And I was delighted to hear that they offered free membership if you were a student. And then following on from that, if you then joined up as a full member once you graduated, it was £50. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you're sort of starting out, you've, you haven't got that much money, to be fair. Yeah. Um, so even though I was a, a career changer, I should I should actually mention that I, um, I didn't start out as a translator. Mm-hmm. In my former life, I, I worked for the Home Office for 13 years. Mm-hmm. So I'd gone back to university to basically, I wanted to learn about the profession and do it properly, if you like. Yeah. And so... Part of that was I wanted to be part of a professional organisation as well mm-hmm. because I felt that that would show that I had some kudos, that I was taking the profession seriously, that despite having not come from that background, that I wanted to fully immerse myself in it. So mm-hmm. when Heidi basically talked to us, I thought that's a brilliant resource that's local to me mm-hmm. and, you know, and she present you know, obviously told us about the events that they host at that time I think they were once every six weeks or so mm-hmm. and they were they ranged from social events to continuing professional development events on a on Saturday afternoons they called them social Saturdays mm-hmm. and so I started going to those events mm-hmm. and and I, I encountered Laurence, um, who is the, the now chair of the NWTN, and as well as Heidi and uh, Mike, who is also on the events team now, mm-hmm. and you know other members who have been in the translation profession or interpreting as well for a lot longer. Mm-hmm. And as a result, I, I got more and more involved in yeah. the in what the NWTN does. Yeah. Because, as I said at the start, when you're a freelancer and you're starting out, it can be quite lonely and mm-hmm. isolating. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. particularly having come from a different career where I was I worked in an office that had at least 70 or 80 people sat mm-hmm. around you know and there was never any chance to feel lonely yeah and then you go straight from that to working from home yeah. and you're and like it's, oh. <laughs> yeah exactly and it's me and Peggy Sue and yeah. as much as Peggy Sue is lovely to chat to she doesn't mm-hmm. say very much so um so yeah so so I realised, I think after maybe two years, so I was a student member to begin with, mm-hmm. sucked up as much information as I could, yeah. asked as many questions as I could, yeah. and then became a full member. And then as a result of that, about two years into uh, working from home, mm-hmm. I still felt lonely and I realised that I needed to do something about that. Yeah, But I didn't know what to do. And funnily enough, it was a non-translator friend. She is self-employed professional herself. I'd gone round to her house mm-hmm. and I was quite upset. And she we sat me down, offered me a, a brew. And uh, she's like, right, OK, um, let's think about the practical things that you could do to, you know, improve the situation that you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first question she asked me was, what networks are you in? Yeah. And... When I think about it now, it feels quite daft because I was actively going to NWTN events when Mm -hmm. they were happening. And in the past, we'd sort of, it had been talked about the idea of doing co-working sessions. Mm -hmm. And I knew that Laurence was actually running co-working sessions. She was going to a space that we still use now to this Mm -hmm. day. She was going and she was joining in with a different set of freelancers that weren't translation professionals who would meet in this one place every Friday afternoon. So mm-hmm. she was going there once a month. And so my friend had asked me, you know, what, what networks are you part of? So I said, well, I'm in the NWTN. And she said, well, don't they offer any sort of things that you can just go along to and sit and work together? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, ye- yes, um, I know that one lady, Laurence, um, she organises co-working sessions, but I don't know anybody. And, yeah. and I feel silly because, you know, I don't know anybody. And and what if I say the wrong thing mm-hmm. or, you know, and she basically had a word with me and told me to stop being ridiculous. Yeah. And, 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 and I came up with all sorts of reasons as to why I shouldn't reach yeah. out because I was scared. And, and she said, it just takes one email. That's all you need to do. Just send an email and say that you struggle to go on Friday afternoons because it doesn't fit in with your the way that you work, your work schedule, and ask them, you know, if you were able to set up different times, different days maybe, mm-hmm. would they advertise it and see if anyone went along? And I was like, oh, I don't want to step on Lawrence's toes. I don't want to, you know, yeah. be um, sound like I'm being awkward or anything. And she was like, just send an email. That's yeah. all it takes, just send an email. So I sent an email to to Heidi and Angela. And I said, um, okay, I've had this idea. I I can't go to the co-working sessions that Lawrence currently organises and I don't want to upset anybody. Do you think that you could tell people that I'm going to go along to this co-working space you know, at the start of a day, on a particular date, would you be able to advertise that to your members and maybe someone might come along and join me? Mm-hmm. And they said, yeah, of course. 
So from that, from that one email, they got in touch and and said, yes, of course, please organise as many as you want. We will advertise them for you. Yeah. Um, And don't be silly. Laurence won't be upset at all. I'm sure she'll, you know, sure that she'll go as well. And so that was sort of how I then got involved more with the NWTN. Laurence did, of course, come to the co-working that we, you know, agreed. We did mm-hmm. it at the start of the day, not in the end of, of a Friday afternoon. And and so it sort of blossomed from there, really. Yeah. So that's, it, broadly speaking, how I got involved <laughs> with the NWTN. Long yeah. answer. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I think it's great because, like, those are things, like, I wish that I'd joined the NWTN sooner, to be honest, because I only joined it last summer. So what was that, 2020? one yeah Yeah. (laughs) forgetting the year summer of 2021 is when I joined the NWTN and I'd already I'd already been working as a freelancer for like two and a half years then wow and like I I remember starting off and coming out of uni and not really because I feel like uni doesn't always teach you those kind of things like how to actually be a freelance translator it teaches you all the skills that you need to do the physical job yeah but not like how to actually have your own business and like do all of the other things and like also just like you said about like getting lonely and stuff like uni doesn't teach you how to deal with working on your own all the time yeah so like I think it's great and it really helped me and when I joined in the summer I was immediately like going to all of the things I was attending there's a working lunch every Wednesday that I was attending and I was learning so much from like all the other members that are more experienced and stuff and I remember the first event that I went to in person which you organized was the world swimming event in Lake Windermere and I was so I was really nervous to like go it would be my it was my first ever like in-person official translators event that I'd been to yeah and I was like I'm not gonna know anybody yeah like I did know um I had met Maya before at that point but um I didn't like know anybody else and yeah that's kind of what made me like join the NWTN as well because I thought like that's that's really awesome event to go to and I think that was a great one to be my first one to go to because I was like I don't have to worry about what I wear or like how I come across because like it's not going to be a really professional environment if we're all jumping in a lake (laughs) (laughs) it made it a lot easier and like yeah you don't have to worry about like is anyone going to talk to me because it's like well we're getting in a lake like yeah (laughs) well that's it It, it's a leveler isn't it it doesn't matter what experience you've got you're all doing an activity together so it doesn't matter at that point you know how many years you've been a translator or how many I've been or who's travelled where or or done anything mm. like that it, it is a complete it's a, it's a natural icebreaker thankfully it was in the summer so we didn't yeah. literally have to break any ice like we would do if we well, were it was, now was but it september wasn't it was it? september yeah so yeah for information <laughs> it's the warmest time you can jump in a lake is it? yeah oh that's good. because it's had all all summer to warm up from uh, sunlight yeah. so yeah <laughs> Yeah, go. it was a great one. And that's what I loved about the NWCM because I joined the ITI around the same time and then been like, oh, I really want to go to events, but I couldn't really find many that were local to me and mm. any that it was all sort of online webinars and stuff and more like CPD that I could see. But seeing that the NWTM would have were having like these really fun events and like more social stuff I was like yeah yeah <laughs> I want to join that one yeah. and I think that's what nice what's nice about a local network because a everything is happening around you and like 
it's a bit more chilled really isn't it yeah definitely well yeah I mean that that is a, a huge appeal of it because like I said you know when you're starting out and you don't know anyone you haven't got that natural office environment mm-hmm. where you're you're instantly sat with other people that are all doing the same or similar job to you so then how do you go about finding those people when you are sat at home yeah and you know you're just trying to get your head around doing the job trying to find the work all of that you don't also you can't automatically turn around to someone and go and ask them that question yeah. that's on your mind because you're like, oh, there's nobody there. And yeah. Just, yeah. And Peggy so, Sue's not going to No, Peggy Sue's not going to know. She's brilliant, but she's not going to know. So so then you're like, oh, how do I, you know, so that, so then I suppose it, I, I got to a point, a level of frustration really with the, um, how, how do you find this stuff out? Who mm-hmm. is there there that's, you know, going to be able to answer those questions? And so, the beauty about having a balance of events um, from the network is that, you know, yes, some of them are about you know, CPD and improving your different skills in different areas. Mm-hmm. But then equally, the social ones are important, too, because you've got more chance where there's, you know, the break times mm-hmm. are, are just filled with people chatting because, you know, you, you, you hear something or you spot somebody that you've not seen for a while and you think, oh, mm-hmm. I need to go and ask them that question. And mm-hmm. and so in the early days, I found out, you know, really important stuff like pricing. How, how, do, how on earth do I go about pricing my services to begin with? Mm-hmm. How do I approach an agency? Mm-hmm. And, and you, and even though you might feel a bit silly asking those questions, you think, oh, I should, I should know these. Well, no, mm-hmm. how are you going to know? Because, yeah, like we've exactly. said, on the uni course, my uni course was brilliant, and I'm, and, and you know, it was, it was, it was really well run, and we did have business sessions, but they were a small part of the course, mm-hmm. and so you still kind of get to that point where you're like, oh, you sit down, and you think, okay, what am I going to do now? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I did. I, I, Saying that, I was able to go and do an internship abroad thanks to my uni course, mm-hmm. which allowed me to go and work in a translation agency and I got a feel for the work that way. Mm-hmm. I learned how to use MemoQ as uh, the cap tool of, of my preferred choice. <laughs> I got to learn that on the job and stuff. But mm-hmm. again, when I came back from Spain, you know, the that lifeline that I had with those local translators mm-hmm. meant that I could contact one of them and say okay so I do you use MemoQ because you know I I, all I was taught on my uni course was actually you know Trados so Mm. I don't really know how to do this and so then or I would go you know to a co-working session with Laurence who also was using MemoQ Mm -hmm. and then she'd do something or I'd hear her saying something about oh what's that you're doing yeah (laughs) you know and you get that chance to look over the shoulder and go ah right okay and you have these series of light bulb moments and mm-hmm. and that exchange that you just don't get if you are not actively yeah. going to these things exactly I had that with um with Chloe at our co-working session yesterday she yeah. was doing she was doing some subtitling and I'd I've worked on a subtitling project with her before where we t- took half of it each and then went through each other's work and kind of collaborated it together because it was a rush yeah. project 
and she managed to do it so much quicker than me and I was like Chloe I just need to see what you're doing like which which buttons are you using what are you doing that makes yeah. you able to do this yeah. so much quicker yeah um so I watched her do a bit of subtitling and I was like oh she I don't use that button that like I need to use that but she was like why are you not using this button and I was like I didn't I just didn't realize that yeah. one existed I yeah. can do this so much faster and like such a small thing but like it really helped and I wouldn't have been able to it would have been much harder to ask her that over over the phone or something because we neither of us knew what we were doing differently I had to actually sit there and watch her do a little bit so I could see how she was doing it and it was yeah it was really useful yeah I mean I think it's important to mention that not only do you have that face-to-face um support but Mm. we have uh, during the last couple of years we have had to think outside the box and think how we can virtually meet our members mm-hmm. um, and what events we can create that involve people even though they're stuck at home. Yeah. And so that's really sort of forced our hand to think about things in a different way. And so before when the NWTN would do the social Saturdays on a Saturday afternoon mm-hmm. um, and offer that you know sort of CPD session, we thought, okay, how do we then transfer that to online? How do we make that viable online? So, I mean, I know that everyone sort of reached the same conclusion and started using Zoom. Mm-hmm. But again, it was a very new thing to us. And yeah. um, you, you you mentioned it briefly before, but that was basically what sparked. Initially, we started off with Bake Off session. Um, so at lunchtime, so we chose Wednesday lunchtime each week, yeah. just basically as lock, the first lockdown started and, you know, and the flour was disappearing from the shops because every man and his aunt was wanting to bake yeah. goods and things. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. And, um, and so I said, well, if we're going to meet up once a week, um, you know, on these like little online chats for an hour, mm-hmm. let's make a set a bit of a healthy competition and let's do like a little bit of a bake-off challenge so we'll you know present I know where were you you'd have excelled in that I'm sure (laughs) um and so we we started off doing you know little bake-off um challenges and posting our pics of what we'd baked for the session and of course no one else could taste what you'd baked Mm. but you know it was a it started us off as a as a little talking point for Mm. the session and then we'd talk about whatever was on our minds and then and that sort of evolved then after the first month or so where some of the attendees are like you know what would be really good is if we actually did a bit of CPD in these Mm -hmm. our less you know lunchtime sessions and so that then was why it then developed into the working lunch because we were like okay well you know, maybe we need to stop the baking thing because everybody's run out of flour. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's not really happening now. And it would be a good way of still connecting with our members. And, and actually what we found was that because of that, we were able to get to know some members that would ordinarily never have been able to attend a face-to-face mm-hmm. session. Yeah. Because... Um, I don't know if it's unusual for other regional networks, but the NWTN covers members that live as far north as Cumbria, mm-hmm. um, across to Merseyside, Cheshire, Derbyshire. So we've got a couple of members from Yorkshire, but shh, don't tell the YTI, <laughs> as well as Manchester, uh, Lancashire. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope I've not missed anywhere out. 
uh, North Wales. We've got a couple of members in, that are in North Wales even. So, you know, we cover a vast area and it's mm. just simply not possible for people yeah. to always come to Manchester, which, you know, seems to have been the base for the mm. NWCN. And so instead of, you know, by doing these work at lunch sessions where we've said, OK, well, we've picked a theme for the week, we're going to talk about this. And so that sort of then replicated if we were doing an in-person event and then you stop for the coffee break and you then stood around chatting to each other and, and you know, saying, oh, you know, have you got the, your what's your take on professional indemnity insurance or mm-hmm. um, do you have a policy? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so instead of it being there in a face to face environment, we just transferred that then mm-hmm. to virtual chat. And despite the fact that Touchwood things have almost gone back to normal in the outside world we've actually retained those working lunch chats each week because I think gosh I think we've only maybe repeated a couple of the themes Mm -hmm. but otherwise we've we've spoken about a different theme each week since we started running them so that's Mm -hmm. you know over 12 months 12 18 months now yeah so yeah it's been it's been really good yeah and those are great I really love them because also because you put them on the website and I can have a look and see oh what's this week's one and see if I've got time or if it's a topic I'm interested in I can join in and like the ones I've been to there are there are a few people that come to all of them but there are always different a few different people in each of them and it's like nice to meet all the different people and you know with people being everywhere we've had people even someone was joining from Russia at one point, yeah. wasn't it? <laughs> On his um, yeah, was it his year abroad? Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's like it's quite cool just seeing what everyone else is up to as well. Definitely. Um, but yeah, yeah, those are really great. So I feel like we've kind of talked. <laughs> we've I know, talked yeah. a lot about <laughs> the end of ETA and all the different things. I was going to ask you a lot of questions, which we've kind of already covered. <laughs> Let's. I know. What is your favourite thing that you've done with the NWTN so far? Oh, I knew you were going to ask me that question. <laughs> and it's so hard to choose. It genuinely is. I know everyone always says that when you ask them a question, say, pick one thing, pick one thing. <laughs> I mean, I can tell, I would say that the co-working sessions have been the most important thing to me from the start because mm-hmm. of that, like I say, that human connection and interaction with with others and um, with other members but you know we've done so many things we did a really useful pricing clinic with Susie Jackson mm-hmm. oh yeah that was uh, a really yeah good just one. before uh just before Christmas last year which which was amazing because she you know was able to answer direct questions mm-hmm. but those burning issues that you have about pricing yeah. and stuff so yeah. that was that was a really good session. And that actually led to her being on my podcast. Yes, it did, yeah. I, was, I did know of her before, but yeah. that I think I'd messaged her off the back of that and then we ended up working together on the podcast. Yeah. So, you know, it's yeah. been great for me too. Yeah, excellent, yeah. So, so yes, there was that. We, you know, last summer we managed to actually do a, a picnic at Heaton Park and, mm-hmm. and met up um, after having spent, you know, uh, 18 months virtually meeting each other it was nice to finally see each other again mm-hmm. um we did a creative writing workshop last mm. month oh yeah with with two well-established author and poets Alison Leyland and Ros Mendy that were both brilliant it was a really good really good afternoon mm-hmm. and it really got our creative juices flowing 
what else have we done? We did, a couple of years ago, we did a French Connections day, mm. which was, um, it was a day split into two. So the, in the morning, we did a, a walking tour around Manchester mm-hmm. that was a, along the theme of French Connections. What French Connections are there with oh. Manchester itself? Yeah. And so we had a fully licensed guide who took us around and pointed things out that are hidden in plain sight mm-hmm. that you know were to do with our, our links with France mm-hmm. and then in the afternoon we went and we did a translation workshop and translated different texts on food and drink and it was really good fun so that was yes that was really good because that was you know split into two yeah. different things what else have we done we've done book chats online so you know we've had like a sort of like a book club mm-hmm. with with people attending and chatting about their favorite books or based on a particular theme mm-hmm. I mean you know what I'm going to say is my absolute favorite because <laughs> because we've been since but it was the wild swim in Windermere yeah, that was, um, that's my favorite that I've been to. <laughs> yeah it was the wild swim because you know I, I'd started I'd actually started outdoor swimming the summer before so in the 2020 mm-hmm. and I'd been to lo- a couple of local places to me so Pennington Flash mm-hmm. where they hold the Ironman contest each year and I must add I am not um, a triathlon um, <laughs> type competitor or swimmer I can I can barely do a decent front crawl <laughs> two lengths in the pool but I'm working on that mm-hmm. so I but I've been to Pennington Flash and loved it so much I'd bought my own wetsuit mm-hmm. uh, rather than hiring one and I've been going with a friend who she has been a triathlete in the past but due to injury she just basically paired back to open water swimming mm-hmm. And and I realised as as you know as the pandemic went on that it was actually a growing growing sport or a growing hobby for people to mm-hmm. to go because they couldn't go to their sports clubs or leisure centres and to go swimming that more people were venturing outside and you yeah. could say it's just literally it's swimming but you're outdoors yeah rather than it being wild swimming there's yeah. there's a whole debate that the outdoor swimming society <laughs> yeah it's, some people get quite upset about about saying well it's just swimming surely it's outside whatever it is as you call it yeah. um you know i'd i'd embraced it and started to love it and mm. um and so when we were coming up with our ideas for, for the next lot of events, yeah. I'd said, oh, I quite fancy the idea of going up somewhere in the Lake District, somewhere that feels properly wild mm-hmm. and isn't just some organised thing, you know, yeah. um, and, and, and experiencing, you know, a, a lake or, or a river or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I think the other members of the events team thought I'd lost the plot slightly. <laughs> Um, and I was like, and they were like, "Are people really going to go and do that?" And I was like, "Well, I've been doing it, yeah. and I love it." Yeah. So, and they were like, "Okay." And I was like, "Well, I'll look around for you know." And then they were worried about you know, well, we don't want anyone to drown. We need to. Oh, yeah. What do what yeah. do we? How do we make sure that we look after our members and that? And I was like, "Oh, we'll get we'll get. Surely there'll be a company that you know will be able to offer it." And thankfully, Sleeker Swim were the mm-hmm. ones that we ended up using, and they had a brilliant introduction to mm-hmm. open water swimming, um, and they did they organised that for us in Windermere but it, what was great about that as well I must say is that I got to meet well obviously you mm-hmm. for the first time uh, Maya who had just started to become more involved in the NWTN but we mm-hmm. hadn't yet met face to face and we also um, 
extended the invitation to a couple of other of the the northern ITI regional groups, mm-hmm. the Yorkshire translators, the YTI, and the northeast regional group. Mm-hmm. And so a couple of those came over as well. Yeah. So it that yeah, it just was a brilliant day as a whole because if we were networking without realising it, yeah. you know, there was yeah. there was a yeah. lot going on that day, wasn't there? Yeah. And, uh, and it was really fun. Yeah. And thankfully, nobody drowned. Yeah, yeah, it was it was it was great. And I actually got more out of it than just the swimming as well, because like the chats I was having afterwards. Because one thing I was nervous about going was I was like, oh, I'm you know I've only been doing this for two two and a half years. I'm not going to be as experienced as everyone else. Like mm. I'm I don't know though I was just I was just kind of worried about that but when I started chatting to people I actually realized oh I do have something to add to the conversation like I I was talking to some of the um, more experienced members about you know being on LinkedIn and that kind of thing and like things that they're not necessarily doing and I would they were actually learning some things from me and I was really surprised that I actually had something to add and actually that's what got me thinking when the ITI then sent out the email looking for speakers that's kind of because I'd talked to people at the World Swimming event I was like actually I do have something to say yeah that, that gave you the confidence and that, to, yeah it gave yeah. me the confidence to then do this whole talk so like you know the the NWCN events are like have led on to so many more things than just like that's brilliant what they are that like <laughs> you might not even be aware of and like if that's happened with me like it's probably helped a lot of other members to do a lot of other things and like yeah it just kind of spirals a bit like yeah well the the, the takeaways that I had from that day was um I chatted to Nikki Bone from uh, the mm-hmm. northeast and she she told me that I had to get on with my um oh, I remember. Member, yeah, <laughs> yeah MITI application which is still a work in progress <laughs> Um, but I am an associate member of the ITI mm-hmm. and I'm not far off completing it. Um, so I remember chatting to Nikki quite a bit about that, which was really, really useful chat. And then also chatting to Maya about um, how we all find work, how we find clients. And and I'm still, she's, she seems to be really good with statistics, mm-hmm. Maya. And uh, she said that seven, she'd found this statistic that 70% of new work that we find as translators or interpreters seems to come from our colleagues mm-hmm. our fellow professionals and I really couldn't believe that because I've spent you know I've been a translator now for five and a half years and mm-hmm. I I have to say that I am very much still a work in progress when it comes to finding new clients I've not been that great at that because I've I think I sort of have reached a point where I've become it's become a little bit stale where I'm not moving forward enough I'm not looking for for new clients and mm-hmm. it it actually spurred me on with her saying that because I thought well maybe I'm looking in the wrong areas as to you know finding new clients and actually if I do spend more time networking with my colleagues not only am I expanding my social circle and mm-hmm. the support network that I've got, you know, around me, well, near and far, yeah. but you never know if there will be work that will come out of that. And as it is, and to, so far I've had, I've worked alongside two other colleagues mm-hmm. um, who were both in the NWTN 
who approached me and said, I've got this big project. I can't do it all myself. I don't want to refuse it. Do you fancy working alongside me um, to get it done together? And and that was and that was so flattering to begin with because you know I thought well how do these people know that I'm actually any good you know (laughs) they're trusting me so I better do a good job Mm -hmm. and and actually the work that I I worked alongside them on was really interesting as well so and I have to say better paid than the the other jobs that I've done to date because my my work has been with agencies up to this point so Mm -hmm. you know working with them you sort of you realize then that we're all on the same team we're Mm -hmm. not rivals we're all on the same team there's plenty of work out there that we can that we can all get and if you can work alongside someone all the better because you know it's like feeling like you're part of a team again which which I love so definitely yeah and even like like because I know some people are scared to they might be scared to reach out to another translator to share the workload with them because they might be worried that that the client might then use that translator for future work or something but like that that really really happens I feel like a the client will be more appreciative they'll be like wow thank you for like going out of your way to help us more by getting someone else to do it along with you and also the other translator that you asked to do it with is more likely to then think of you where if another project comes up that they yeah. can't do well they need help with they're more likely to think of you so yeah it kind of helps both of you and we can you know it, it works in all in our in everyone's favor yeah we well here, here's the thing it's interesting you say that because uh, that's been one of my worries is that mm-hmm. I don't want my colleagues to think that I am taking work off them they've obviously given me the opportunity to work with them on a project yeah and so then what you don't then want is they've obviously trusted you with you know sharing their client um their work or whatever mm-hmm. and so I, I gave this some thought and I I realized and it's worked so far anyway that despite the fact that we 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 work in an unregulated profession so mm-hmm. that is that is a bit of a bugbear of mine because in my former career I was a, a volunteer as a trade union representative mm-hmm. and to me much like being as part of a network it was it was a collective thing that we're stronger together than we mm-hmm. are you know as individuals and what I felt with the, the worry that I felt with you know well what if my colleagues think that, that I'm going to take then take work off them or whatever and so I just thought well how would I feel if it was me and and it was the opposite how would I what would I appreciate and so I've basically gone back to those colleagues and said okay if the scenario arises that that client then contacts me and asks me to do work what a what would you like me to say Mm -hmm. to them and b if they can't offer the work to you for whatever reason um are you happy to tell me what rate you think that I should not go below Mm-hmm. because that's you don't undercut them yeah because mm-hmm. that's the thing that has always worried me is that you know yeah. I don't want to undercut people this is a profession that we're all working in we're trying to raise our rates and not allow them to be chipped away at mm-hmm. and I don't want to then undermine my colleagues who have then you know trusted me with that work and and what has because I've then asked that question I have to say I've then been quite shocked mm-hmm. at how 
much higher their rates are than what I was currently charging. And it's, so it's made me pull my socks up a bit yeah. and go, right, okay, I need to have a word with myself here and think about what it is that I'm actually doing on a daily basis and what I am charging current yeah. clients. Yeah. And, and I know we've talked about it, you've talked about it with Susie a lot, the idea of you know setting your um setting your absolute minimum rate and not going below that yeah but it it's having those conversations with the col- with my colleagues yeah. have just reaffirmed that you know yeah. i i can and should charge more than i than i currently am so yeah that's been an interesting outcome as well from yeah. working alongside other colleagues because they've been happy to pay me a decent rate Mm. they've also been happy to discuss figures which I think when you're starting out you can also be a bit nervous about about doing yeah yeah we're really learning like being part of a network really we all are learning so much from each other and like it's different from attending a webinar or something because you're actually once you become friends with people as well it's easier to ask those sort of questions that you might be afraid to ask someone who's standing up on a stage or something in front of you know you know when they're like does anyone have any questions you might not want to put your hand up in front of a hundred people and ask something but it's uh, easier to ask like someone that you've met through the network or something so yeah definitely um, and that that could even be the same person that was on stage but you might have now had them in your network and got to know them so yeah yeah um so is there anything else that you want to add about being part of the NWTN in particular? Um, I think it's, uh, yeah, I think what's key to mention about the NWTN is that um, to professionals from the outside of the of the industry, you know, potential clients or whatever, mm-hmm. it can be, I can see how it could be confusing if you're a client and you're wanting to find a translator, an interpreter, so when it comes to the NWTN, we've got our website. And mm-hmm. on our website, that also takes you to... It's kind of like a hub of mm-hmm. the translators and interpreters that are based in the Northwest. We're not a translation agency, so we don't negotiate or deal with you know clients on our members' behalf. Yeah. What, but what we do provide is a directory. So mm-hmm. on our website, you know, if you're a full member, you are listed in that directory, which is searchable so that clients can find you based on your particular languages that you translate from and into, your specialisms, your particular areas that you translate. Mm-hmm. And I have had a few, you know, a few inquiries about my, you know, my translation services as a result of that. Mm-hmm. And that's besides the co-working opportunities, the professional events that we put on that, you know, for training, for social events and, mm-hmm. and the like. And so, you know, and you, you can actively be a part of it. We welcome, you know, as events team lead. Um, OK, yes, I'm leading a, a team and I'm very grateful for for my team. I could not do it without them. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's only so many ideas that we can p- come up with. Yeah. What's great is that because we're a small regional group, you know, any of us can be approached. 
mm-hmm. and you know you can come up with your ideas and I know <laughs> I've thrown so many have, ideas at you. yeah you have you bombarded me I think <laughs> on on the first co-working session and I came away thinking oh my word how do I make sense of all this like we can't do them all I have to tell you we can't do them all <laughs> I was like no Kate I want to do this I want to do this <laughs> but it's brilliant because you know you've come with you know fresh ideas and yeah. you know it's 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 led onto other things since then yeah and you know don't worry I've still got your your list of ideas <laughs> um but yeah so what's great about it being a smaller part of a bigger cog if you like is that we can do that we've got that closer connection with people so yeah. you know you come to us with an idea and we can go okay yeah we could maybe put that on in a couple of months time mm-hmm. we just need the time to plan it and find a venue or whatever or find a relevant speaker or you know, yeah. so so we always invite members to be as involved as they can be, to give us ideas. We've, you know, uh, we ran a survey during the first lockdown because we wanted to know what our members wanted from us as a network. Mm-hmm. And we got lots of ideas from that as a result, mm-hmm. um, which are still, you know, in a list now. We're yeah. trying to work our <laughs> way through them. But where we've not been able to organise, say, a full two or three hour event on them, we've then tried to incorporate them into the working lunch chats mm-hmm. um, so that we've then at least addressed the subject. So yeah, so we've we've done things like that, which have been brilliant. And we've also, because we've been going to the co-working space for so long, we've negotiated a reduced rate mm-hmm. for our members when they go along to one of our co-working sessions. So mm-hmm. they pay a little bit less than if they were just going as a member of the public, which is also a bonus. Great benefit. <laughs> a great benefit, yeah. And and then, you know, and then this uh, this May, we were going to be hosting the, the biggest event that we've done to date, so which excited. is, yeah, which is to celebrate our 35th, well, I say 35th, it will be our 37th anniversary <laughs> of the NWTN because it was formed back in 1986. Wow. I know. But for obvious reasons, we weren't able to hold it two years ago. Mm-hmm. So we are, we've been determined throughout this whole uh, situation to get there in the end. And yeah. uh, so we've been very excited that we're, yeah, we're finally at the point where we can uh, so arrange <laughs> in a, our anniversary dinner dance. So, yeah. um, so we've found an amazing venue. We're going to be at the Lowry in mm-hmm. Salford Keys in the amazing compass room, which is a big suite at the top. And it's got 360 degree views across wow, all I've of, never been in it. yeah, across all of uh, Salford Keys. It's got really good views. It's got a really good disco ball. I've oh seen God, that. Yes. Yeah. Um, but we're going to take a look back at the network's past you know how it started out mm-hmm. we're hoping that Rod Riesco who was the the first chap to come up with the idea of reaching out to other professionals like himself mm-hmm. we're hoping that he can give us a bit of a sound bite or a you know a bit of a few words um as to how it all formed mm-hmm. and look at you know where we are today yeah. and then look forward to the future and uh I know that you're determined to get us onto Instagram and yes. pull us into the world of TikToks. Not sure how that will go down yet. I'm going to try my best. I know you are. I know. I'm so, try my best. so yeah. So, so it, it's going to be a, a, a. That's a really good event that we're looking forward to, and it will be the biggest event that. Yeah, that we've oh, organised to date. So. And I've already requested a slushy machine. Although, <laughs> <laughs> and I've already talked to you about the insurance implications. Yeah. I know. This is this is an example of my ideas that I like to throw at Kate. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like it's 
there are some really really great members and the co-working sessions are really great as well and actually yesterday we had a co-working event and where I mentioned that I um that Chloe showed me how she subtitled but I also got a little uh, voice clip of some of our other members telling us what they like about being part of a network specifically the NWTN so you can listen to that now I'm here at the NWTN co-working event today in Manchester with some of the other lovely NWTN members and I thought it'd be good to ask everyone what they like about being part of a translation network. So we're going to start with Melanie. I love working for myself from home but being involved in a network reminds me that I'm not alone and I'm part of a bigger picture if I need to bounce ideas off people, get advice or even just have a good rant. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Chloe, what about you? What do you like about being part of a translation network? I love being part of a translator networks because freelancing can be quite a lonely business. So it's a really great way to meet other, meet other like-minded people and socialise as well as doing really valuable CPD. Uh, what about you, Eleanor? Well, the cliche is that translators always work in their pyjamas and I have to say that's just not true at all. I wear leggings and a massive dressing gown. And coming here is just an excuse to make an effort and get dressed properly, really. But also, it's all about the social connection, and that's something that you just don't get at home if you sit in front of a screen all day. Mm -hmm. That's definitely true. And then finally, we've got uh, Lawrence. Tell us what you like about being part of a translation network. Well, it's very important for me to to feel part of a community, people, like-minded people who do the same job, and I love getting involved. That's why I'm in the committee. Thank you. So now that we've heard from some of our other members, should we talk about a different, some different networks? Because you're yeah. also you're also part of the Institute of Translators and Interpreting and the Chartered Institute of Linguistics. I'm also a member of the ITI as well. Yeah. So why did you choose to join the ITI and CIOL, and what have you gained from those? Okay. Well, I it's funny. I actually found recently when I was digging about in uh, some of my stuff from the past, I found leaflets from both the Chartered Institute of Linguists, not, mm-hmm. not Linguistics. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> might get upset. Chartered Institute of Linguists um, and the ITI. I actually picked them up when I was about 15 or 16 from my high school, oh, wow. from the career service, <laughs> and I still had those leaflets yeah. from both those organisations. So Obviously, I've known about them for a little while. We won't say exactly how old I am. But, um, but yeah, so I've always had them. And it's interesting that I went off, did a completely different career. I did languages as my bachelor's degree, Mm -hmm. French and Spanish. But then went off, as I said, and worked for the Home Office for 13 years. And then when I have come back to it, those two organisations were in the forefront of my mind again because I, I knew about them for so long. Mm-hmm. And so I, I actually joined the CIOL. After I joined the NWTN, I joined the CIOL. And as a result of that, I went to, just before the pandemic hit, I went to my first in-person um, translation and interpreting conference mm-hmm. that was a one-day event in London. I'd been to conferences in the past, but I'd never been to anyone anything that was, you know, 
geared towards me as a as a professional as to what and to what I'd chosen to do you know as languages now mm-hmm. and so it was a series of talks throughout the day chance for networking in between you know over coffee um and it was a really good way we I saw Sue Leshen who is mm-hmm. uh, uh, an NW10 member as well she was presenting on terms and conditions for linguists um, so I saw her workshop and they also have a brilliant platform for online CPD. Um, so they've got lots of webinars. In fact, I think all their webinars now are free if you're a CIOL member. Mm-hmm. So I found that that was a really, really useful resource, again, when starting out, because until I'd you know, found the NWTN co- and founded the co-working sessions, if you like, that was my main source of information. You know, you, they've got CPD online on all sorts of different topics. So mm-hmm. that was a really good way initially of me building up knowledge about different aspects of the job. And I actually became an ITI member quite a bit later. Um, and and I'm not at all downplaying the the value that they that they have that they give to the profession. The only reason that I didn't join them any sooner was because I just couldn't afford to pay for each of the fees, basically. So with the NWTN, you know, that was £50 for the year. That Mm -hmm. was achievable. That's a lot more affordable. Yeah, when when you're starting out, you've you've got zero money. And then the CIOL was next in line because that was then the next, um, you know, achievable. Mm -hmm. And then once I knew that... uh, I heard a lot about the ITI through other colleagues in the NWTN mm-hmm. and they have a lot of in-person events as well as online CPD and they also my colleagues all talked about their conference um that they just I think at the time they might have just been to the Sheffield conference mm-hmm. and I just missed out and I was I was gutted because you know Sheffield's not that far away from Manchester mm-hmm. and it just sounded amazing because of the the range and variety of of speakers that they had and the opportunities to meet people in between they've got you know the different uh, fringe events that take place mm-hmm. The fact that they have a, a, a ball, a glitzy, glamorous oh, part yeah. of the conference. And I thought, oh, I want to go to that. You know, I've not been to something like that in quite a while, you know. Um, yeah. So, um, so yeah, so, I, I, so I, that's kind of the order in which I joined them. I'm still a member of both. Mm-hmm. But what I would say is I'm probably more actively involved with the ITI because of the fact that they have forums that you can join so Mm -hmm. based on your language and or your subject preferences subject areas yeah so I'm currently a member of the food and drink uh, forum Mm -hmm. Uh, so I get you get center you can set the reminders as to how frequently you want to hear about stuff but there's basically specific group chats you know on on um, food and drink network Mm -hmm. and then I'm also in the Spanish network mm-hmm. I'm not in also in the French network because I just kind of reached a point of yeah. I can't fit everything in at the yeah. moment um but it's again it's on the the growing to-do list mm-hmm. um but what's really great about those forums is that the members are that maybe work in your language pairs for example if you're stuck on a particular project mm-hmm. and it's a particular term and you think oh, 
got no idea how to translate this. How, you know, what's the equivalent? Or, you know, when you've done your online research, you think, I don't really know because that, yeah. you know, you can you can ask on the forum and say, okay, this is the context um, because we always like context, yeah. don't we? <laughs> Does anyone have any really good ideas as to how I can translate this particular bit? And I've seen all sorts of, of mm-hmm. conversations about, you know, things like that or maybe a clause in a contract or whatever. Yeah. So again, you're able to reach out to fellow professionals that mm-hmm. have, you know, got experience or in that particular area and they go oh yeah it's it's this I've had this recently in a text and you're like amazing thank yeah, you yeah and and you know you've, you get to hear about language or subject specific events that are happening you know things that you, we we obviously we like our CPD and we like to know about things that are directly related to languages but it's also really good to hear about the stuff outside the profession mm-hmm. that will you know improve your knowledge in that particular subject area so they've been great sources of information to find out about you know the latest drinks festival or yeah, you know things like that you know that, that that tie into your particular subject area so mm-hmm. that's something I think that's really valuable with the ITI mm-hmm. and um you know I want to like you I want to be involved in everything yeah um, it's hard because it's like there's yeah. not there's just not enough time to do yeah. all the things and also things can I think like one thing that everyone talks about is that like they can be expensive like being members of different networks especially like the ICI yeah. and COL it can get really expensive and then especially if you want to start going to the conferences yeah. and stuff like it can get really expensive and it's 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 not necessarily affordable to everyone but like it's good if you can, you know, choose the bits that you can do yeah. and learn from each other. And, you know, maybe it's it's an investment because if you're putting that money into it and then learning the kind of things you need to learn to get more clients and get higher rates and stuff, then yeah. it kind of covers the cost of it maybe in the long run. But yeah, it's it does. It, hard, it's, hard it's a, yeah, out. it's a gradual <laughs> process, I would say. That's yeah. definitely how I found it by joining them, you know, I... I, I didn't just go rushing in and 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 join all the networks. Yeah, throw all your money. Out. Yeah, I just couldn't <laughs> afford it. But yeah. but but the the reward that you get from it once you have joined them is it, you know comes back to you um, yeah. tenfold because of the like we we've talked about the connections that you make and the experience that you hear from all the members and mm-hmm. and the the opportunities that potentially you know lead on to and then yeah. the. They're, they're, they're ultimately their sources of information and work so you know yeah. you it, it helps you to grow what is the phrase speculate to accumulate <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> still working on on that but yeah yeah what about the um because with some with some associations or networks you get you get those little letters on the end of your name don't yes. you like you get that with the ITI yes I have the little CIOL yes oh yeah Yeah. I've got my little AITI on the end of mine yeah have you found that that's like made any difference to like how like the clients that want to work with you or anything like that has being part of an official association like I'm sure it does I'm sure it does I that the, the, the difficulty that I have is I've not worked with direct clients as yet mm-hmm. so I, I can't answer that from the from their point of view I think what's it does like I said at the start it does add a certain kudos to you as a professional because mm-hmm. 
when you you know when you see a, a chartered accountant's firm mm-hmm. or um you know an engineering firm or whatever and you see that their engineers and their accountants are chartered and they've got that status mm-hmm. and you see the letters after their name you think okay these people aren't messing about they know what they're doing yeah. and so <laughs> in the same way by being members of these of these particular networks mm-hmm. you know um I felt proud to have MA, ACIL, AITI after my name because I thought, personally, I I felt like that made a difference to me. And I think that if you, it's all about having that confidence as well, isn't it? So if you believe in yourself Mm -hmm. and that's what you project to your potential clients and other people that you come across, they're also, they're they're not going to fail to be impressed by that. So I think that, yeah, it does give a certain um, status or a certain level of professionality to mm-hmm. you if you do have those yeah. letters after your name. Because also with, with I know with the ITI, you can't just, you don't just sign up and get them like straight away. Yeah. You have to get references. Yes, um, exactly. I think it's also, you were talking about applying for the... Um, What's it called? The, the MITI. Yeah, the so MITI. As a member. And you have yeah. to do even more for that, don't you? You have to yes. actually prove yeah. that you are a professional and you know yeah. what you're doing. So they, they base it on your level of experience as mm-hmm. well as your years of experience. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I signed up. I think you can be... I'm an associate member at the moment of the ITI and of the CIOL. But to step up to the... MITI level you need a minimum of three years experience mm-hmm. but then you also need to undergo basically a, a translation test um, in your one of your language pairs mm-hmm. um, unless and I'm actually fortunate because I sit in this bracket unless your the result of your master's degree was that you um, achieved a distinction so if you've got uh, distinction in yeah. in that um, in your translation project, then you don't need to do the translation test uh, to achieve MITI yeah. status. Yeah. So that's a, a quite a weight off my shoulders. I've, I can't lie about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, I still need to. I've still had to ask for references from people mm-hmm. that know my work, and we still have to complete a statement of interest and explain how you will contribute to the community mm-hmm. and also you have to what's the other step that you have to take this the, you've, you've got six things that you can choose from mm-hmm. and there's three that you have to do as a you know in order to okay. complete the application so yeah. so yes yeah, so if you're not doing the translation and being assessed on it then you've got your uh, distinction your references oh yes sorry and you've got to show that you have a proper set of terms and conditions Mm -hmm. that you present to your clients agencies whatever that you know explains and shows that you operate in a professional way your levels of expectation Mm -hmm. the service level that you'll provide things like that so that all sort of adds to your credentials I think yeah it's an easy way to kind of then show your clients that you you know what you're doing you're like yes I w- like if I've been given if I'm able to be um if I'm able to have MITI on the end of my name then I clearly know what I'm doing yeah <laughs> well, yeah so I guess it's a it's an extra thing the, the other bonus that I found from the ITI and I didn't know about it until fairly recently when they did a webinar was that um 
they've got a a helpline as a member um, it's free for members to consult they've got tax um, experts at the end of the phone that can Mm -hmm. help you um yeah with your with any tax queries that you've got what else um insurance if you you know if you need insurance for your work they've got a a preferred provider that they recommend but yeah that things like that financial help that you don't don't, don't necessarily have an accountant because I don't have an accountant I Mm -hmm. may get one but things like that where I'm not sure on my tax return or whatever. And I didn't know that they, they provided this, but mm. they do have... And also a legal helpline, so you mm. can actually contact their legal specialists and and say, you know, oh, I've got this going on, and you have to quote your ITI yeah. membership. But, yeah, that's something that was a benefit that I only learned about quite recently. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know about all of those things either. Yeah. But, yeah, so we've sort of talked a lot about... The, the networks or the associations that we know about and are members of. But I thought it'd be interesting to hear about other networks and associations around the world from other people that are members of those. So we do now have some voice clips from people who yeah, are telling us about the, the network that they're part of and what they like about it. So... Here we go. Hi Dot, it's Jane Eggers. I'm a member of the BDU, which is the German Translators and Interpreters Association. And I love it because of all the fantastic colleagues I've met through it for the educational opportunities, all the CPD options, and for the mentorship scheme that I was fortunate enough to take part in when I first became, um, when I first went freelance. My mentor taught me a lot, not only about translation, but also about running your own translation business. Brilliant. Hello, my name's Susie Withers and I'm a member of the Chartered Institute of Linguists. I like being a member because it gives me credibility and it gives me the confidence to say to my clients, a professional association has verified my credentials and I also enjoy having access to lots of free webinars and training. Hello, I'm Fernanda Gonçalves, a Portuguese translator based in Portugal. I'm a member of two professional associations, APTAD, Associação de Profissionais de Tradução e de Interpretação in Portugal, and ASTRAD, Associação Espanhola de Traductores, Corretores e Interpreters in Spain. Both are really important to keep me updated about news related to translation, to provide CPD opportunities and for networking with colleagues. Hi Dot, how are you? This is Jasmine, an English Arabic translator. I'm from Egypt and it's my pleasure to join your podcast. Actually, I'm a member of PROS, APTS Association and Tajik Texas Association. And the best thing I like in all these associations is that they hold events and meetings from time to time to keep up with the latest development in localization industry. Hi, my name is Roberta and I'm a freelance translator from English to Italian. I am a member of the Chartered Institute of Linguists and of the ITI Medical and Pharmaceutical Network. I think it's a good opportunity to network with colleagues and to learn from them. I can also attend CIOS webinars and watch the recordings. Regarding ITI, the thing I most appreciate is the mail group. You can ask for any help about terminology, translation or other issues and everyone is so kind and generous to help you. 
Hello, my name is Marilyn. I joined the Aragonese Association of Translators and Interpreters last year. It's called ASATI, Asociación Aragonesa de Traductores e Interpretes. I love it because they always post interesting content about foreign languages, translation, interpretation on their Facebook and on their LinkedIn page. They even organized a dinner and a debate a few months ago and I got to meet fellow translators and interpreters, so I was really happy to go to this event. A few days ago they even wrote a description of my profile, my work, my areas of expertise and they will post it soon on their Facebook page. So they also promote a job, they help us, so it's a great idea to join this association. So thank you to everybody who sent in, um, sent in a little voice clip and yeah, so Kate, what advice would you give to someone who's wanting to join a translation network? I'd say just do it. Mm-hmm. Don't think about it, just do it. If you're scared because you think that, you know, people don't think that you're qualified enough or or whatever then then that's, you know, that's daft to think like that. Um mm-hmm. we've all started from somewhere and yeah. we're all We've all come from different backgrounds and different paths and ways of getting into the profession. But the important thing is that you just join something because, you know, once you get involved, like you said, mm. you'll realise that, you know, oh, why didn't I do this sooner? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's a it's a really great way of feeling like you've got instant support mm. from other professionals that just like you have all sorts of questions we're always learning we're always growing and that's why we enjoy doing this job because we can never possibly know everything anyway yeah and if you can go to in-person events Mm -hmm. because that's the best way like we've said of meeting other people talking about those things that worry you that you don't feel like you know you can answer yourself or Mm -hmm. you know you've you can talk to family or friends but they won't fully understand because they're not doing the job that you're doing yeah um but yeah if you can go to in-person events then great because you will then get that opportunity to ask those questions and and learn and if you can't for whatever reason whether it's geographical or or whatever then you know like we've mentioned there are lots of different ways that virtual networking takes place now Mm -hmm. thanks to dare we say it the pandemic we've you know we've found that there's a lot more things that are happening online so Mm -hmm. I know that the ITI conference that's happening in May they're doing it as a hybrid conference conference for the first time so if you can't attend in person in Brighton then then they've opened up tickets for for Mm -hmm. you to attend virtually as well and I know that a few members are deciding that that's what they're going to do because you know they 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 don't want to take that full chunk of time out of their working week but mm-hmm. as a hybrid you know as an online conference you can dip in and out as you choose mm-hmm. so so yeah don't hesitate to just find the one that you think works for you whether it's you know affordability or whether it's what they offer mm-hmm. um you won't regret it yeah yeah what about yeah so for the for anyone who doesn't have a translation network that's local to them obviously you just mentioned like there are things that are happening online and stuff yeah but do you have anything else you'd recommend to 
those people who just don't they they because I've talked to quite a few people and they've just said like there's I just don't think there's any translators around near where I live like they mm. don't seem to have a local network or there might be like a there might be a network for the country that they live in but there aren't events going on near them or anything like that mm. um and I think there are quite a lot of people that just they like when I when I post my Instagram stories of us at our co-working sessions yeah. people people come and saying oh I'm jealous that you have something like this and yeah. that kind of thing and I just think it's a it's a shame that there isn't an NWTN every everywhere because yeah. it's great but do you have any yeah tips for those people who just don't have a network near them yeah I mean firstly well if you are in the UK and you are a member of the ITI then I would recommend that if there isn't a local regional network that's close enough to you in the ITI, you can go on to their webinars. Um, I did a, a webinar with Trini Claris Flores, who is the coordinator for the Wales Regional Group. Mm-hmm. Um, the ITI invited us to do a webinar on how to set up your own co-working um, groups mm-hmm. And so that is a good source of information if you're an ITI member and you want to know how we in the North West and how in South Wales, how they set up their co-working sessions. Mm-hmm. We went about it in slightly different ways, but we did go through similar pro- elimination processes when it came to choosing the space that worked best, mm-hmm. you know, that had enough electric points powerpoint so that you could plug your laptop in all day that mm-hmm. was that had decent enough desks and seating so that it was you know comfortable to be sat there mm-hmm. um things like that so that's a, a good go-to if you are an ITI member if you're not then I would say if you can try and find a co-working space it it, it has become an, uh, a phenomenon in itself in the last few years I would say mm-hmm. I I found various when I was eliminating or deciding on different co-working spaces in Manchester I found a few of them just by going onto Twitter mm-hmm. and using the hashtag of hashtag co-working mm-hmm. and then Manchester and then find from that I then found the the spaces that are active you know and there's lots I mean we're, we're quite lucky in Manchester there's quite a few to choose from mm-hmm. But, you know, we, we've recently been looking into, um, for our members that are based up in Cumbria and Lancashire, we've been looking at some, you know, some potentials there mm-hmm. that they could have their own group that mm-hmm. meets up to co-work. So, yeah, so I'd say that that's a really good way if you can, you know, if it mm-hmm. doesn't exist, <clears throat> why not start it up yourself? Because that's essentially, you know, what where I started out and, you know, from look you know from meeting Laurence and whatever we it formed into the what it is now mm-hmm. I, I did receive a lot of advice in the early days about also looking for your local chamber of commerce mm-hmm. groups because wherever you are in the world there is a chamber of commerce and they will have different types of networking sessions maybe business meetings or or working breakfast type meetings the way you can go and and before you start your working day you can go and meet other local business people mm-hmm. um and make connections that way mm-hmm. i mean the the obvious nowadays is be active on social media because yeah. that as we found is is a huge way of connecting people 
Um, I know that we're not all on the same platforms. I know you're not on Twitter Mm -hmm. and that you use Instagram a lot more and LinkedIn. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not that great on LinkedIn, but it's an area that I'm learning more about. And, you know, an unashamed plug of my um, action in the last two months on Instagram, Mm -hmm. I I realised that I wasn't, I didn't really know how to put myself across on Instagram to other linguists or other clients potentially mm-hmm. but I'd noticed that some other businesses so in this instance it was a, a craft Instagram account mm-hmm. had arranged this challenge to uh, inspire other crafters like themselves to use the same hashtag on Instagram and to join in once a day and all answer the same prompt on mm-hmm. their Instagram feed mm-hmm. and so I was a little bit naughty and uh, copied it slightly but mm-hmm. adapted it for linguists so for the last month and a half mm-hmm. there's been a few of us NW10ers included but ITI yeah. and beyond <laughs> who have been joining in with the linguists insta challenge mm-hmm. on Instagram and what that's done is it's brought us together hello Peggy Sue <laughs> <laughs> she's joining in too that's brought us together from all around the world. And mm-hmm. so I've been chatting to a lady, Laura, who is based in Buenos Aires. I mean, I've got such a huge um, you know, desire to travel to Argentina. It's on one of my places that I want to go yeah. to. She's based there and I've been chatting to her. And as a result of that, mm-hmm. you know, I chatted to her separately and, and I said, oh, I'm sorry that I'm answering you in Spanish because she was chatting to me in English and she's like oh no problem and I said you know I don't have a lot of opportunity to speak Spanish on a daily basis Mm -hmm. and she said well let's have a zoom chat every now and again and let's you know I'll practice my English for a bit and you and you know she said to me you practice your Spanish and you will hear my uh, Argentinian accent which (laughs) is you know different to the other places that I've spoken Spanish so far and so that's come from just from Instagram just from you know connecting funnily enough the same lady she's also forwarded me um, a post from a copywriting firm based in Argentina Mm -hmm. and their philosophy their work philosophy at this particular copywriting agency is based on the concept of bees which Mm -hmm. if you didn't already know um, my particular business name the hive of translation I've based mine on my bee obsession and the way that they'd written their posts was all about you know we're part of a collective we're a hive of information we work together we're like bees we like to share the you know in our community we like the the sort of philosophy of of bees and the fact that what we produce the honey that we produce is you know and they'd used all this uh, bee honey colorful language and I thought wow I love the sound of them and I commented on their Instagram post and I potentially may get some translation work out of that oh, as a result because we, exciting. yeah, because yeah. we share the same ideals about work, not, not just about bees, but that yeah. we, you know, and so that's, that's just come from connecting randomly on Instagram, which yeah. I would never have thought yeah. possible. Yeah, you never know. No, you never, you never know. know. So yeah. it's just about being open and to you know these different avenues and and yeah social media is is mm-hmm. a massive thing isn't it yeah. now so and showing everyone your 
Yeah. You would never know. Not with, not with your. That's not a with whole your, different your podcast episode. That that be on the wall. The fact that you live in Manchester. Yeah. Which is, uh, if if anyone doesn't know, Manchester is covered in bees everywhere. Yeah, it's, it's the symbol of Manchester. <laughs> the worker bee is the symbol of yeah. Manchester because it <laughs> came from in you know as part of the industrial revolution. It was really important, and yeah. all of the industry workers were all you know worker bees and worked really hard and so yeah Manchester adopted the bee as its symbol and uh, yeah, yeah I've taken that and <laughs> ran with it quite a bit yeah um, but yeah that's a whole nother episode yeah. I'm sure <laughs> this isn't an episode about bees no <laughs> um I mean it's been really interesting to hear everything you've got to say and advice to everyone is there anything else you wanted to add um on the end um or? I just that Thank you very much for inviting me and letting me um, uh, witter on about <laughs> NWTN, ITI, CIOL and everything to do with networking. I, I think that, you know, um, my I suppose my final thing is that being part of a network is is key in helping you to grow, in helping mm-hmm. you to grow personally and in your business. Mm-hmm. And um, it's nothing to be afraid of. I'm really glad that you came to the Wild Swim when you did. And, you uh, yeah, you've, you've gave, given us lots of ideas since. <laughs> and uh, here I am now on a podcast, <laughs> mind blown. So, yeah. Thank you so much for agreeing Thanks, to do this with me and for inviting me to your lovely house. <laughs> um, <laughs> should we just quickly, um, do you want to to say where people can find you in case they've got more questions for you or if they if they want to use your translation services or if they're wanting to become part of the NWTN or anything, how can people reach out to you? Yeah, well, I can give you the links to the NWTN uh, website mm-hmm. where people can join there if you're in the based in the northwest of England. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've got event ideas for the NWTN, you can email me at events at nwtn.org.uk mm-hmm. if you want to connect with me on linkedin i'm kate janet Lowe on linkedin i'm on instagram as i've said at the hive of translation separated by underscores mm-hmm. and i'm on twitter as xl8 underscore kalo so translate okay um also on Facebook, the Hive of <laughs> Translation. Um, I'm basically everywhere. I've tried to be everywhere yeah. as the Hive of Translation and also my website. But so. not on TikTok. <laughs> but not on TikTok, no. Yeah, yeah. What, was, what was your website? Oh, website translation.com. Okay, I'll make sure yeah. to put all of those links in the show notes as well. So it's really easy if you're listening and want to just click on any of those. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Yeah, thank you again, Kate. It's been wonderful. And I love seeing Peggy Sue rolling around on the floor next to us. Um, maybe I should turn this into a, a video podcast. Like, why am I only doing audio? Everyone listening is missing out on Peggy Sue. But <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to go on a bee hunt now. I'm going to show you the different symbols of bees around where I live. Okay, yeah. that sounds great. Yeah, right. um, yeah thank you. Thanks, Dart. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode about translation networks. Thanks again to Kate for joining me today. Make sure to check out her contact details in the show notes if you wish to get in touch. And if you've got any questions or comments about the Meet the Translator podcast, send an email to meetthetranslator at gmail.com. At one 
something like Peggy Sue was just sat there glaring at me and I was like <laughs> and I was thought, trying to concentrate and she was like <laughs> and, then, and then she thought I'll just sharpen my claws <laughs> okay right 